0: The following message is made available for you by Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mora, Minnesota. For more information, visit us online at As for us, So in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 and verse 19, this is what the, the Holy Spirit uh, tells us. Uh, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And after some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. And though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord has given me what I had asked him, his, him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your good word here would be uh, rightfully proclaimed, that we would see the beauty and the truth of Jesus Christ above all, and that, uh, that he would be honored as we look into his word. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask this. Amen. Well, his name was Michael Lee a Day, and his death a couple of weeks ago rocked the music world and sent shockwaves all over it. His, his trilogy of albums sold uh, more than 65 million copies worldwide. His first album stayed on the charts for over nine years and even today it still sells 200,000 copies a year. Uh, But it's likely that that you've never heard of Michael Lee a day. Uh, You would have heard him by uh, rather by a name that makes you hungry every time you hear it. I'm of course talking about Meatloaf. Now I can honestly say that I've never been much into his music but In 1993, it was kind of hard to escape his his biggest song ever. It was, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Uh, It was a bizarre hit because number one, it wasn't that good of a song. And number two, it was really confusing. He sang, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And the question always was, well, what is that? What is the thing that he will will not do for love is it the dishes is it go across country uh is it to you know get hitched what is it and obviously in the confusion uh, it resonated with folks because it highlights our, our our culture's obsession with love but also the limits by which we will go uh to love and it would be completely inappropriate if we were to bring meatloaf song into church here and sing it as a as a worship tune But no doubt many of us are singing this song in our hearts when it comes to our love for God. We have no problem coming here and singing the praises of the Lord and singing our love of God and what he has done for us. But yet when we're alone with ourselves or when we find ourselves in desperate situations that causes us to compromise things, we will boldly sing, Lord, I will do anything for your love but I won't do that. I would do anything for your love, Lord, except give given my time, my talents, and my treasures. Lord, I would do anything for you, Lord, unless you ask me to engage in reconciliation with that person that I am in conflict with. Lord, I would do anything for your love, as long as it's not going out onto the mission field. Lord, I would do anything for love, unless it means talking to my neighbor or co-worker about you i would do anything for love only if i feel like it i would do anything lord as it doesn't involve risk or costly faith i would do anything lord unless it causes me to exercise faith in risky ways or giving up anything that is dear to me i do anything lord for love but i won't do that this morning we turn again to 1 Samuel and we pick up in the middle of this story of a woman named Hannah. Hannah was a godly woman who exercised incredible faith in the Lord in a time in which having faith in the Lord was, was something that wasn't highly esteemed. Uh, this was uh, even among the, the priestly elite that oversaw Israel. Faith wasn't something that was prized. The culture of Israel in that day is again described in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, in which uh, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone just, they, they sort of did whatever they, they saw right. That's politically, it's socially, it's morally, it's religiously. It was, it was uh, essentially moral anarchy that was going on. But for Hannah, though there was no king in Israel, she knew that there was a king who sat on the throne of heaven and that it was God Almighty. And he is sovereign over all things. From international political affairs to biological setbacks. If you remember, she was a barren woman. In a world in which women were valued more for their ability to have children and produce large families. But because she was barren, her husband took a second wife named Panina uh, to bear the children that Hannah could not. And this Penina made sure that Hannah was put in her place by, by uh, making fun of her and ridiculing her constantly. And as we saw last week, the intent of, of Hannah uh, going and brokenhearted to God was that God would provide a son for her. She goes to the one who has a reputation of drawing near to the brokenhearted, asking him that he would do this. And as we saw last week, the intention of her prayer was not so that she could experience motherhood per se, but that she could have a child that would then go on to serve the Lord and his purposes. What she most wanted in life, she vowed to give up to the Lord wholeheartedly. She was asking for the impossible so that she could do the impossible. Give up what is most dear to her. She would do anything in response to this love of God. And yes, she would do that. Now we turn to 1 Samuel 1.19 and following. And what we find is the remarkable faithfulness of God to his covenant. This, this sermon should be titled, rather than responding to grace, it should be responding to faithfulness. We see God being faithful to his covenant promises to his people in Hannah's situation. And as we move through the text, you and I are going to be challenged to give up whatever it is that God is calling us to give up because of his great love and because of his mercy and because of his faithfulness and because of his kindness that is essentially found in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should do anything for love, including that, whatever that is. That God is calling you to, so the first thing we ought to see today is that we ought to trust that God is indeed faithful. He is faithful to keep His promises. You know, Old Faithful is this uh, was the first geyser that was uh, named in Yellowstone uh, National Park. Uh, it's it's called Old Faithful because it is so. Uh, consistent in its eruption times. It is uh, currently um, exploding about 20 times a day and uh, the geologists that log the eruptions of Old Faithful have gotten to the point where they can't have a 90% accuracy of knowing when Old Faithful is going to erupt within 10 minutes. It's an amazing uh, predictability of its faithfulness. And if you go to Yellowstone, if you're willing to wait 45 minutes to an hour, 20, whatever it is, you're certainly going to see Old Faithful do what it does. Be faithful in, in interrupting. And when we look through the Bible, one of the chief attributes of God that we find throughout all of Scripture is faithfulness. That God is faithful. And when we say that God is faithful, we are not putting it in the same category as a a marriage in which someone is is faithful to their vows in marriage. That, That is true of God. But when we talk about God's faithfulness, we are pointing to the fact that he keeps his word on his promise. That he is good on what he said he would do. He is faithful like the Yellowstone geyser to consistently come through on his promises to his people. And we find God's faithfulness to his promises in the text this morning. But not in the way that you would expect. Let's back up just a little bit to verse 9. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies or Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction and remember and not forget me and give your servant a son... I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. So, after being barren for so long, and facing the ridicule of this Penina, Hannah pours out her heart to the Lord. And in verses twelve through fourteen, the, the priest Eli he sees what's going on, and he sees that this woman is moving her lips. No sound is coming out, and he takes her to be drunk. And he chides her for it. And she responds by saying, no, 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 no. The only thing that I am drunk on is grief and sorrow and sadness and brokenheartedness. I've been praying out of anguish to the Lord, she says. To which Eli in verse 17 responds prophetically, says, no, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request by which you have made of him. And immediately uh, her demeanor changes she leaves with her head held high. And if you remember last week, um, she's in a place where many of us would be. She doesn't know if the Lord is actually going to follow through on her promises or not. But she leaves confident that if God is on her side, then God is enough. So now when we come to verse 19, we see the Lord answering Hannah's prayer. It says this, it says the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah, which is like the, the shortened word of uh, the town that we find in verse one. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Now, now we're, we're gonna push pause here for just a second because this could, this could lead to some confusion here. Um, when the Bible says that God remembered him or her, we see that quite often, especially in the Old Testament. It's not as if this individual just slipped God's mind and that he woke up one morning and was like, oh yeah, Hannah, I was supposed to make her pregnant. Oh, that sounds weird. I was supposed to allow her to have a baby. Rather, when God remembers someone, it is an expression of God's acting upon his covenant promises to his people in this case uh god remembers her when the time is right says after some time hannah conceived and gave birth to a son she named him samuel because she said i've requested him from the lord now here's where things get wild uh for for you and for me i want to suggest to you that for hannah God's faithfulness is not shown to her in reversing her fertility. God never promised her a baby. She may have believed Eli in verse 17, but there was no guarantee that she would conceive. In verse 17, however, God's faithfulness is shown through this pregnancy and birth to his people, By providing one who would not only be the final judge in Israel, but would be the one who would be announcing the coming of the king of whom Hannah would be a beneficiary. This vignette here is classic God work. This is God doing what he does. He is changing the world, not through the high and mighty, not through the wealthy, not through the powerful, not through the famous. But rather he is changing the world through an ordinary woman with no social clout, with no fame. Nothing that would put her name in the history books except that she displayed an extraordinary faith in God in a time in which faith is very hard to find. God showed his faithfulness to his people through a simple woman from an ordinary family to bring about this prophet named Samuel. And the story of God's working would be repeated one day in another woman who was barren. Her name was Elizabeth. Her husband, like Elkanah, is from the priestly Levitical lineage. And after years of praying, God would would give them a child who would announce the coming of not just another king but the king of kings, Jesus himself. John the Baptist would come out and be the one who the prophet said would be the one who would prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight and in doing so he introduced Jesus as king as samuel was to anoint both saul and david uh, the uh, john the baptist when he baptized jesus and brought him up the sky opened up and the holy spirit came down like a dove and jesus was anointed as king over all and in his life death resurrection and ascension jesus now still reigns at the right hand of god over all things and so what we can take from this is a reevaluation of what God's faithfulness means. God is not obligated to answer our prayers in the way that we want him to. I don't want to make light of our prayers, and that's not what, I'm, uh, what my intention is here, but we need to realize that if God doesn't give us the go-ahead, if he doesn't change our situation or even if he chooses to end our earthly life he is no less faithful he is still good rather his faithfulness is shown in the fact that he has come through on his promises to make a people for himself his faithfulness is shown to us by given by giving jesus christ His faithfulness has shown that Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live on our behalf. That he died the death that we deserved. That he rose from the dead three days later to show his victory over sin and death and is now seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all things, chiefly shown in the church right now. He shows his promise that when this life is over, by faith, We get to go home. We get to be with him. God's faithful, and we would do well to trust in his faithfulness. And so secondly, we ought to give generously in response to God's faithfulness. We need to give generously. In her prayer at the temple so long ago, Hannah made quite the vow. It was a vow that, quite honestly, I, I, I don't know how we can even imagine it. Verse 11. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. His hair will never be cut. Now, the question sort of shifts here. She's got the child, now is hannah going to follow through on this promise because talk is cheap what's going to happen when she holds this newborn in her arms and that bond is formed what is going to happen when she has these few years of 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 getting up in the middle of the night and tending to his needs What is going to happen in her heart after that bond is formed that she's been nursing him feeding him changing him getting him ready teaching him what the world is like teaching him what what god is like there is this bond that happens between a mother and a baby that is indescribable and yet hannah is saying she's willing to give it all up for the lord Verses 21 and 22 gives us the answer of what she does. She is remarkably resolved to go through with this. It says, when Elkanah and all of his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. There it is. Stay there permanently. This isn't your 18 year old that's going off to St. Cloud State. Hebrew children at this time were were nursed uh, up to about age three, sometimes a little bit older. This is a toddler. She's promising just drop off at the temple She's going to do this. Now, in verse 24, this promise becomes a reality. But it's even more of a sacrifice that she's making if we're clued into the economic times of 1 Samuel. Look in verse uh, 24. When she had weaned him, she took him... With her to Shiloh as well as a three-year-old bull. Now there's some disagreement on whether or not it's three bulls or a three-year-old bull, it doesn't really matter. Half a bushel of flour and a clay jar of wine, though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Now did you catch that? She's she's gonna go through with this. She's gonna drop this kid off permanently, but she also brings a three-year-old bowl, a half a bushel of flour and a clay jar of wine. These aren't just things that are sitting on her shelf that she's willing to give up to the food pantry here. These items are very, very expensive. And so not only is she giving up her son to the Lord's service, she is taking a major economic hit here. And to many of us, This is absolutely crazy. But to know who God is and have tasted and seen that indeed the Lord is good, it's a small price to pay. God has done something so marvelous in in, in Hannah's heart that she was indeed willing to give her entire heart back to him she recognized that all things are from him to him and for him and she says lord it's all yours (laughs) my heart my life my son my stuff it's yours and i wonder how many of us are willing to give up anything in response to the lord's faithfulness We ought not to forget that God didn't just give his own son to serve in the temple. He gave his son like this three-year-old bull. To be slaughtered for us in our place. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, our sins were transferred to him. And through faith, while he was naked on that cross, we were given his righteousness. He watched his son take his final breath so that we could truly live and truly spiritually breathe. But yet he showed his faithfulness by making him rise three days later and showing his victory and giving us hope. In response, we ought to give generously in Romans chapter 12, verse one, uh, it tells us this. It says, by, uh, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. We show our gratefulness to God by giving up our bodies our lives, our possessions, our time, our talents, our desires, our wills, our relationships. We give up our everything because he gave us his everything. We do it not to get in with him, but in response to the fact that he's already gotten us back together with him through Christ. How many of us see this and yet it's hard to give up a Sunday morning more than twice a month. And yet there are brothers and sisters throughout the world that are giving their lives in order to meet today. God is good. And everything that we have are to him, through him, and for him. Let's run to generosity and out of thankfulness for his faithfulness and third and finally we ought to see the big picture of this there's a big picture happening here and this passage points to the amazing faithfulness of god but as the passage closes out we need to see how god's faithfulness now relates to the the, the big picture of not only first samuel but the big picture of what god is doing throughout history We find this beginning in verse 26. When Hannah says to Eli, please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood beside you praying to the Lord, the one you thought who was drunk. I prayed for this boy. And since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he, probably meaning samuel worshiped the lord there now unfortunately this is where the hebrew the 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 english language does us a little bit of a disservice here there is a word play uh in which uh hannah is foreshadowing the near future of israel here and it points to god's faithfulness once again the verb to ask in hebrew is the word sa'al and if we were to put that into context uh, we would say, since the Lord gave me what I sawed for, I now give the boy back to the Lord. Now, for those of us that have read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel, we know that the nation of Israel will sinfully ask or saw all for a king. And that king's name, oddly enough, sounds like the word to ask. King Saul would show up and his kingship would be a complete dumpster fire. Now contrast that with Hannah, who Saul's for a son, with the intention that his life would be dedicated to the Lord and his service. The nation sinfully Saul's for a king so that they could be like the other nations. Instead of trusting God to be their king, they want a king for themselves. And they quite literally get Saul. They get what they asked for, a complete disaster. But the Lord uses it then to bring his people back through a king whose heart would be knit and united to the Lord and his ways. And we don't don't have to get very far to see how this principle works out in our lives every single day. God desires that we would be totally sold out to him. Every part of our lives, he desires to be sitting on the throne of our hearts and our lives to be completely committed to him and his ways. And Instead of putting him where he rightly belongs on the throne of our heart, how often do we use him as a means to feed the idols that are sitting on the throne? of our heart right now. It may be that God will give us Saul in our lives in order to discipline us. But his desire is to shield us from that. So then we take what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. To heart, whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. When that is our heart's cry. When we saw all for Christ and his beauty, when we get to that point, Psalm 27:4 is our life song. I have asked for one thing from the Lord, it is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, it is not difficult to give up all things for him. Because we know that all things are for him, to him and through him. We can lose everything. Even our own lives because we know that one day we're going to get it all back in him you see the big picture is here that when we ask for Jesus and for him to be on the throne of our hearts God is delighted to answer that that prayer Romans tells us that he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he also not with him grant us everything? So because God has been faithful and will continue to be, we can sing, Lord, I would do anything for love. And in response, I will do that. Let's pray.